Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Smile. I'm Simone DeRochefort. I'm a video producer at Polygon.com. And I'm joined tonight by Brianna Wu, Democratic representative candidate for Can't Conk Conk for Bees. Demo- <laughs> Not yet, Simone. Not yet. 15 <laughs> seconds into the show and we already botched it. This I was is even great. looking this at the great. word candidate. It's right in front no, of my it's great. darn eyes. I like, I like it's like positive thinking. It's like if if you believe it. Yeah. Like it'll happen. It's like Tinkerbell. It's, secret. it's, it's yeah. like Tinkerbell. Yeah. That's exactly I it, do believe Christine. in candidates. I do. I do. <laughs> and Senior Content Project Manager, Christina Warren. Hey! <coughs> hey! How do you feel about the bees? I, I, feel, I feel bad for the bees. I, I don't know. I, I had somebody um, a couple of weeks ago, this was weird, unrelated to the bees, who, like, I commented that I was very excited that that McDonald's in Seattle has honey packets uh, for my dipping sauce for my nugs, right? Whoa. And and we could, well for a while they kind of disappeared from McDonald's. You know that you could get the classic honey like always, and then they got harder and harder to get. Like when everyone wanted, you know, stuff like ranch or or, or honey mustard or or barbecue or whatever the sauces were, or or, or Szechuan. Uh, <laughs> if we're going to go back uh, to nineteen ninety eight, um, and and so I was very excited. I was like, oh good, they have like you know I, I can actually get honey packets now. And, and I was very excited. And somebody on Twitter was like, do you feel good, you know, like, like stealing from bees or, or whatever? <laughs> oh and God. I was like, I was like, okay, look, I'm not going to claim that the method in which McDonald's collects their honey is, is like the most ideal because I'm sure that it's not right. But like, it doesn't hurt bees. And to, frankly, it might not even be real honey, in which case the bees. No, it is. It's 100% least... pure honey. Oh, it is pure honey. Oh, it, it is pure honey. It, for, for real, right? But it is pure honey. But I'm like, look, I'm sure that they don't collect it in the most, like, you know, humane way because it's McDonald's. But the, the mere act of collecting honey from bees, I looked into this after this person tried to shame me on Twitter. <laughs> oh, I was oh. like, I di- and I didn't get into a back and forth with him because it just wasn't worth it. But I looked into it. I was like, actually, it does not harm them. Like to to naturally collect things from their combs, like that's fine. It's fine to harvest their honey. That is not a problem. Mm-hmm. Like the larva and some of the other things are are more problematic. But like honey, but even then, that's it, it. It really depends. Like that's fine. I think it's good for them to have their honey harvested. I think it is. I think it is. And it so it's it's kind of like you know how like cows like need to be milked. Again, we can talk like we can get into a discussion about how broadly you know like how dairies milk cows and how humane that is and whatnot. But if you don't milk a cow. It's a very bad situation. Like cows need to be milked. Mm-hmm. I, so, I just is- feel like in the like particularly with this week's news, which we're not going to talk about. I just feel like bees are so far down the list of concerns I, would, I have. I, no, I would agree. I mean, I would, I would agree with you because you're actively trying not to think about I, bees. No, no, right I, now. I'm with you as, as I'm planning to for, for my bunker. Because see, you guys are at least on the east coast. So when the nuclear apocalypse comes. I'm just happy that I'm gonna like die with all my with all my crap. You know what I mean? I'm just gonna be happy that I have uh, have a new iMac and that I have um, lots of toys and, and and I just got new furniture in my apartment. When the apocalypse oh. comes, I'm just gonna be happy because because frankly, like where I where I live now, it's like yeah, okay, thanks. I'm thanks North Korea. Um, bye. I mean, I, I'm if, if anything, so, the, the yeah. big earthquake will get you first. Uh, we have to get into the show before I fall into a Google rabbit hole of trying to find out who supplies McDonald's honey. 
which is definitely something <laughs> I that I think I've we been should Googling. do a special topic about that special sometime. Top. That well, would be great. Yeah. By the, by the end of the show, I'll have done enough research and we can do a full topic on McDonald's, honey. We should do some FU on that. We should. We should. <laughs> So uh, before before we get into our first topic, I want to tell you guys about a little adventure that Frank and I had this week that was completely awesome. So, you know, we bought uh, an Audi TT a few, few uh, you know, earlier this year. I think it was like March or something. Um, it's great. I love that car. But um, we are actually looking into buying a Lotus Elise. So, like, I showed you guys the pictures of this. It's like a small, tiny, gorgeous, sexy. It's beautiful. Oh, my God. Beautiful car. Very small. So the thing is, you don't appreciate how small it is until you see it in person. It is like a go-kart. It's so tiny. (sighs) So, like, my Audi TT weighs almost 4,000 pounds. This car weighs less than 2,000 pounds. Wow. Um, it doesn't even have power steering in it because it's so light you don't need it. <gasps> oh, so, my gosh. So it's that kind of car. And, uh, you know, this isn't like an extravagant purchase. Like, you can get a used, decent Lotus Elise for, like, uh, probably $30,000, $30, something like that. But it's really, really, really hard to find them in the United States. Because Lotus is such a small company that they couldn't uh, like pay for the crash testing to bring it over here, which is like just ridiculous. And so they got around it by like throwing a Toyota engine in it and like getting around crash like records and things because of that. But like it's really hard because even in a very good year, Lotus only sold uh, 2,000 of them over here a year. And uh, ever since Congress mandated like smart airbags, now Lotus can't put them in at all because it's just not built for the car. So we found this awesome shop in Jackson in, um, I'm sorry, right here in Boston. And it's got, I I showed pictures uh, of this on Twitter, but it's like this amazing, like three-story Willy Wonka, like factory of all the greatest, like Lotus and Porsches and like Ferraris. And like, they had like uh, this car from the sixties, Bill Cosby bought his wife. That's like a million dollars. And we're getting like the private tour of it. It was completely awesome here in Boston. Wait, I I'm I need to know like how many cars you have now because it yeah. seems like every time I although I guess you did lose at least a couple we did. or we did. what maybe we did. one this last well, year. My accord was totaled, right? Yeah, your so, accord was totaled. Right, my accord was totaled. So I have the TT now, and then my mm-hmm. husband got rid of his Camry to get his Dodge Challenger, which oh. is been a hard week for Dodge Challenger owners, I think. Um, yes. and now we're going to buy a Lotus because you know, like. There it is. Because so. you can. Now, because you can. can. It's amazing. Yeah. How long will it take you to yeah. drive to me if you're when you're going full speed in your Lotus Elise with no airbags, Brianna? Yeah, it's going to have airbags. It's going to be amazing. Uh, honestly, I don't even want to know. Like, I haven't gotten the speeding ticket yet, but this is going to be really hard. So They won't even be able to see you because you'll be hiding behind all the other cars. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because it'll be so tiny. I, I, I'm, I'm jealous of this. I don't drive, right? But I, 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 um, I have a thing for tiny cars like the TT yeah. and the Lotus yeah. because I'm a small person. Right. I'm, I'm a tiny person, and so I, I call things Christina size. And like a Lotus is yeah. a Christina size car. It really is. Like you can't – like when I'm sitting in it, like I was really worried I'd be too tall to sit 
sit in it and I can barely do it. But like you can't have a big butt and sit in a lotus because <laughs> like it squeezes you on the sides. It's hard to explain. It's like a, a chair, but like there are two channels for your butt to go into. So no. yeah, yeah. So there it is. There it is. Um, so speaking of the lotus, do you guys know, want to know a little trivia fact? The uh, the original uh, Tesla that came out, uh, they actually built that on a lotus frame, the lotus yep. roadster. It's actually a modified version of that, which takes us into our first awesome topic. That is like a fun fact. I always sometimes forget that, that like the, the Model S was the first one that was their own design, but the, the, the roadster was basically a Tesla. I mean, it was ex- yeah. basically an electric lotus. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I've thought a lot about getting one of those, but, uh, you know, it's just so expensive. I don't know if the battery will hold up at this point. So, yeah. And Tesla is now starting to ship or produce, produce rather, their new Model 3s, which will probably start shipping in 2018, mid-2018, according to Business Insider. Yeah, I mean, they're supposed to make some deliveries this year. We'll see. But this is a big deal for them. You guys can talk more about it. But, I mean, this is basically the make-or-break car for Tesla, yeah. right? Like, yeah. they, they they put a tremendous amount of, of money into this. They just raised more money. Um, more than a billion dollars was raised um, to get manufacturing up to speed. You know, the, the pre-orders um, where people would put down a $1,000 fully refundable down payment, you know, have been crazy. Um, all the first impressions that the car journalists and tech journalists have had have been very positive, although it's been in the most ideal conditions and they've been very limited in what test drives they can do. But by, um, you know, and, and obviously the, the model three is a bit more expensive than maybe some people were expecting the base price of $35,000, which is what it's such a breakthrough of this really isn't $35,000. Once you get, um, the, uh, uh, bigger battery extended battery involved and, and, and the, the turbo package, plus the premium, you know, wheels and interior, plus um, the, um, um, you know, autonomous driver mode, plus some of the other things. If you were completely to, to trick out the Model 3, it would be a $60,000 car, which is a lot. But granted, that's still less than what a Model S is. And and for the sort of car that it's kind of competing against, it, it's in line with. That said, uh, plenty of people, I think you probably put down $1,000 for a Model 3, weren't anticipating spending, you know, forty five dollars or $50,000 on a car. Um, so were they not? Who knows what that'll be? Well, I mean, I think that the the whole thing was that it'd be a thirty five thousand dollar car, and I, yeah. I I think some people who were smarter and use you know critical thinking skills would realize, okay, well, that's the base level, and like any other car, you're going to have to spend additional to get stuff. But people might not have realized quite how much you would have to spend to get all the all the all the you know uh, uh, details, especially um, if you're if you're going to uh, want to to have. Um, you know, have autopilot. I have an important question, which is, can I trick out a Model 3 like a like a make-your-own sim without putting down the $1,000? Because if I can, I'm going to do that right now. You should do that. Can you I? Yeah, no, that would be cool. Possible? No, I mean I, th- I, th- I mean, I think you can play with it on the website, but I don't think you can, you can do anything else with it. Reserve yours. I mean... I- I, I want to say I, I understand like the value of electric cars. And for me, it's like it's hard to like buy a gas engine car because like it yep. is destroying the planet. But, you know, I listened to that, Christina, and like, you know, putting this at like a reasonable like level to get it where, you know, you're going to have enough range to like use it every day like you really are looking at fifty thousand dollars for this right. car and i'm sorry you can go buy like a base level brand new boxster 
for 50k <laughs> yeah you awesome. can well and, then, and, yeah. and 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 you know i mean obviously tesla is kind of the gold standard when it comes to electric cars but there are a lot of other companies who are doing electric stuff too you know chevy's yeah. doing so with the volt kia is doing really interesting things with 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 electric cars um it's not might not have like the same you know autopilot and, and self-driving capabilities but that isn't necessarily going to be legal or you know, be able to be used all the time anyway. So yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think that for this sort of car, it's obviously, you know, Tesla is is going after BMW, it's going after Mercedes, it's going after sure. Audi, right? Uh, but I think that, you know, what makes this a make or break moment for them is, is can they keep up with the demand? And um, can they eventually hopefully get the price down so that they can even have, you know, like that, like the, you know, the C-series, you know, uh, Mercedes and, and some kind of the lower end things because, or, or even, you know, eventually maybe have a sub-brand like, you know, Audi has Volkswagen to yeah. really kind of make this accessible to everyone. I don't know, but I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts because there's been some, uh, Brie, you can talk a little bit about this, but as they're starting to roll out you know, the production line stuff, they're already running into problems, which is a problem when you're literally betting the whole company on this. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're really, like Jalopnik is putting out a lot of articles how people are going to a Tesla dealership and trying to get the Model 3 and they're getting upsold to like the Model S. And you know, the Model S is a nice car. Like Marco's written a lot of stuff about that. It's a beautiful that. car. It's, it's a beautiful – I'm going to be honest. For me personally, I – like the 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 Porsche uh, Panamera is a mm-hmm. gorgeous car, but it's also like a four-door car and I just – for me personally, I can't get excited about that. Like, I want a car that's fun to drive. Do you know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. like, sure. that's, it just seems, it's more like a, a family car. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, and I realize like the performance of it is really, really good from acceleration. But I was having this conversation with Leah Laporte on This Week at Tech that, you know, I drive a motorcycle and mm-hmm. I don't care how fast the Tesla Model S is, it's just not going to compete with that. So, I mean, they're betting the whole company on it. And Christina, I'm sure you've interviewed people that have worked with, um, you know, Elon uh, as well. I've got friends that are, you know, engineers in his various companies. And like what I consistently hear from them is he's somebody that's kind of all over the map and jumping from project to project. And like, we'll return to something like a few months later and we'll have a completely different idea. So it doesn't really surprise me that, you know, they're betting the whole company on this, but like the 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 meat and potatoes of getting the cars out the door, they're having trouble with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and, and that's what's ultimately going to determine like the the success of this or not, right? Because anybody can make things kind of work at a at a smaller factor. I mean, at a, a smaller scale. I mean, you mentioned that Lotus sells like 2,000 models a year, right? Yeah. Like in the U.S., which which obviously puts them on on, on very um, high demand, but 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 very low you know volume, and and that yeah. makes them a different car company than what Tesla is trying to be. Now I'm not saying one is better than the other, but when you're trying to be like Tesla is trying to be Ford, you know they're trying to be like GM. They're trying to try. That's ultimately their goal, and to do that you need to have your um your factories working working correctly. You know in the past they've had problems you know with, with early output. Um, we'll, we'll see what they're going to be able to do. I, I'm, I, I'm rooting for them and I certainly wouldn't bet against Elon because I think he's a genius guy, but this is, I, I think, you know, Jalopnik today, uh, did a review of, of the Model S actually, uh, Ryan Felton did, and it was a really good review. And he commented, he was like, yeah, you know, they're betting the company 
on, you know, whether Tesla survives or not. And and that is an open question at this point. I know for a lot of people, they're kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, what, what do you mean if they survive or not? It's like, well, if this doesn't go well, then that could be a, 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 an ending note for a company unless you have somebody who's willing to come in and buy them out, which is always a possibility. But as yeah. an independent entity, you know, they, they are going to live or die based on the success and execution of the Model 3. But 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 Ryan's review is basically saying that even if you, regardless of what happens to Tesla, the Model S is an amazing automobile, which I thought was kind of an interesting take. I'm curious about, I guess, the, the supply chain problem that you're talking about, Brianna. Um, is, is it normal for a car company, I guess, to have so many customizations or have so many customization options? And is that tied to the the production problems that they're having? No, that's such an insightful question, Simone. I mean, if you like, you know, I've pretty much taken my entire Audi TT apart at this point. And like every single model year that had a small change is like a whole new chapter in the book, right? Because there's new parts and new assembly procedures. So there's a huge cost associated with every one of those options from like maintenance and putting it all together. And I I think you're dead on with that. You know, when it's the Model S and it's a lower output, you know, they're going to be closer to, you know, Aston Martin, where, you know, every single, if you sit in an Aston Martin Every single stitch in that leather was done by hand. It wasn't done by a machine. Every one of those is hand-built. That's kind of closer to where Tesla was versus this, where it's really, they're trying to be more like an Accord. And, you know, I can't help but, like, think about the history of the DeLorean, which I think has a lot of parallels here. You know, DeLorean came back, and he, like, tried to start his own car company. And, you know, this is the Back to the Future car. And they announced it and tried to get it out. And the price ended up being like much, 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 much higher than it was expected. And then they brought it to the forefront and have manufacturing problems. And you're talking about betting the company, Christina, like they lost, right? Because of these same kinds of issues and more, but you know, I think it's um, it's it's worth thinking about, right? Yeah, I agree. I was I would say the one difference that you have between a company like DeLorean and a company like Tesla is that Tesla A is already public, and yep, um, and and that's a huge hurdle, right? Um, I would also say that for better or worse, the cult around Elon Musk yep. is far greater than than it mm-hmm. was around the, the down around the DeLorean guy, and and sometimes when you have that cult of personality and you have that kind of figurehead thing you can get away with things longer. That said, if they run out of money, if they can't make this work, then it doesn't work. You know, it, 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 they're ultimately doing things. But I do think that they're, that's a great analogy, but I think that there are certain like market differences um, in, in what, you know, Tesla has managed to do, the amount of capital they've raised and, and simply Elon's profile that puts him in a slightly better position. But you're dead oh, on absolutely. in that. But, but you're dead on at the, the greater point, which is we've seen this happen before where cars of the future, things that were supposed to be, like this was going to be the, you know, like genre defining hasn't worked out because cars is, are difficult. I and mean, this is why originally when, when Elon was doing Tesla, people kind of scoffed at it and, and were, were really hesitant and, and he almost went bankrupt. You know, he almost like, um, you know, sold out like a couple of times, you know, it almost didn't work even with the Roadster um, because the amount of things that have to go right for it to be successful are so great. And the amount of things that have to go wrong are so small um, that, if, if it's if it's not handled just if the execution isn't pitch perfect, 
the amount of money that this requires could bankrupt even um, you know a high profile company. Think, think, and I know we've got to move on, but like, think about it like this, like, because I've looked a lot at getting the original Tesla Roadster, and like the batteries are known to have issues uh, as far as compatibility with different charging stations. Like, it's somewhat of a crapshoot at times. Uh, maintenance on it, like getting someone to fix it and repair it, is exceedingly difficult. So you're talking like the thing about. Um, it's it's kind of similar to when Apple like started bringing out their retail stores, right? Because the issue was, where do I go buy this? Where do I get it fixed? Where do I buy software? And they had to like bring out the Apple store so like consumers could have a place to go do that. Tesla is talking about like, you know, we're finally getting to the point where like my husband's uh, company just built a new office and they've got like electric charging stations there. And I think that's awesome. But you know, at the same time, you've got to build mechanics, you've got to build like, you know, notifications, like alerts, like there's a whole amount of infrastructure. How about parts? You know, like parts have to go to a warehouse, you've got to get those shipped to like dealerships to fix it on like a per day basis. This is a whole supply chain problem. And I think if you look at, you know, Tesla kind of going from more of a niche car company to this much bigger idea here, I think it's utterly reasonable to say, given their track record, I expect that to be a very bumpy scale. I'm so interested in this, the inclusion or the the option to purchase Enhanced Autopilot, considering that it is not, it, it may never be rolled out. That is such a huge bet to place in terms of th- them putting this car out as a, a potentially a more accessible vehicle than the, yeah. the Tesla Model S. But putting this option in that will probably complicate the supply chain and may never come to fruition. Well, I mean, but I, but I think, I I think you're dead on. And and I think that your perspective, Simone is exactly what Ford or, or GM would, would keep in mind. I think though that autopilot has become so synonymous with Tesla at this point that Mm -hmm. for them not to offer it as an option would negate a huge attraction from a huge number of people if that makes any true sense. it's kind of it's an interesting catch-22 i think yeah i agree in terms of making mm. a, a, a an easily produ- producible accessible car i don't know I, I i'm interested did so neither of you brie you're getting a lotus so you didn't pre-order the the model no 3. No. no i'm not it's no. a sedan i'm not interested in it no. so yep. <laughs> you're not Sorry. about that life I'm not. I want to. I want. You know, my husband and I. We don't have children, and we love to get in the car and just zoom around corners and go out to the track. Like that's what I love to do. So, yep. All right. All right. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Smile Text Expander and our friends at Smile. (laughs) You can communicate smarter with Text Expander. Step one: Don't use that voice that I just used. (laughs) Use Text Expander instead to power through repetitive communication by standardizing and improving the written replies that you send every day. With Text Expander, you can recall your best and most frequently used words by creating a keyboard shortcut and letting Text Expander pull in the phrase you need. I bet you could even make a keyboard shortcut that would then insert the 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 word the, or the phrase rather egg voice to indicate that you're speaking in your egg voice and then that way you can communicate in this bad way without confusing people 
For example, oh my God, Simone. for more examples, better examples, even the the ones that uh that that Smile and Text Expander prefer instead of the Egg Voice one would be an email sign off. You can make that super easy. An introductory greeting that you use when you speak to somebody new. Oh my God. Reaching out to people through email, like having a, because I always forget, like, what's my boilerplate introduction? There's got to be like, I've, I'm sure I've come up with a non-awkward way of introducing myself one time in my life. And then it immediately goes out of my, okay, you're right. I've never, I've never non-awkwardly introduced myself in my life. But the day that I do, I can make it a snippet and text expander. Or maybe you've created a fillable template to take notes in a meeting. That's not all. Text Expander can format dates, autocorrect spelling, and even search your team's collected knowledge with a few letters and a hotkey. Yes, you can share snippets among your teams to synthesize and synchronize replies for your business. Text Expander can also help you collaborate more efficiently in tools like Slack with text snippets. Yes, you can automatically press the tab key or it can automatically press the tab key for you in your web browser and emails, making your workflows even quicker. And it can make it really easy for you to create text snippets from within your browser. So you can do it anywhere, any day on Mac, iPad, iPhone, or Windows. If you spend an amount of your day typing and Find yourself typing things, similar things over and over, just searching for the words that you know you had once. Think about Text Expander. You need to try it and you can get it free for 30 days on, like I said, Mac, iPad, iPhone, or Windows. Yes, you can. And you can do that at textexpander.com slash rocket. Start your free trial. Egg voice. <laughs> Thanks. Egg voice. Text expander. Wow. For your support of the Is that show. the name for it? Egg voice? Egg voice. I've never heard that before. I didn't I I didn't know what I'm kind sorry. of voice this is. Yeah, so yeah I guess I think it's, egg it's voice. a Muppet voice, but it's egg Muppet voice. voice. No. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not no. it's an egg voice. <sighs> this is what I, eggs you know, sound we, like. Christine and I, we tried to assuage Micah last week when he was like trying to do your role on the show. He he oh, tried. Boy. He gave he his best. Great, he, 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 did, did, he did a great job. He did a fantastic job. job. We love you, Micah. Fantastic job. We love him. But it's just the ad reads. Yeah. Yeah. It's just there's just something about it. There's a je ne sais quoi that just is very Simone. I've heard that Micah is the second best in the industry. <laughs> second best. All right. Yeah. I agree. He's very good. He's very good. <laughs> I'll tell him so. I'll tell him I've heard you're the second best in the industry. Uh, so Wall Street Journal reports that Apple has a billion dollars ready to lay down on some original television content programming over the next year. And they've hired former Sony people to acquire television for them. But Christina, you've observed <laughs> that Apple doesn't have a budget nearly as big as Netflix or Hulu or Amazon. Or HBO. Or HBO, which spends $10 million freaking dollars an episode on Game of Thrones. Now I'm going to be done with that voice now. Okay, so Apple, <laughs> That's Apple's good. going like into that. TV. Like They've already, they had a couple shows last year. I mean, they bought Carpool Karaoke and mm-hmm. Planet Did they the buy apps. Planet of the Apps or did they make yeah, Planet of the Apps? Uh, I don't even know. I think they bought it from a from another production company. They we just they, don't they, talk they, about they, that. They probably held with it. I mean, let's not talk about Carpool Karaoke. 
karaoke either. I mean, both of them are kind of bad, in my opinion. I mean, Carpool Karaoke is fine, but it's one of those shows that, like, that's a syndication. Like, they outbid when they bought Carpool Karaoke. CBS, who owns that, was, like, you know, bidding certain cable networks. But frankly, they were bidding, like, local affiliates who would air this, you know, like when you see TMZ mm-hmm. or Entertainment Tonight or Access Hollywood. And if I'm honest, that's kind of the perfect outlet for a show like that right mm-hmm. um i don't know how many people because right now all of apple's um original content efforts they're also doing a show with uh, with dr dre and some other stuff is all living on apple music um so it, it's not one of those things where it, it's a weird situation where apple's original video content strategy lives in a service called apple music um which is already kind of a disconnect but um, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they, they've tried their hand at some original programming. Um, a, it was pretty late to start out, like uh, Planet of the Apps delayed, uh, debuted later than it was supposed to. So did um, uh, Carpool Karaoke. Um, there's no word on when the, the Dr. Dre um, uh, series is going to come out. Um, but they hired a few months ago, they hired uh, these executives from, from Sony um, who are, are well-known and well-respected to kind of overhaul their content strategy. And that's makes sense, right? Because if if their content strategy before hiring professionals was to do, you know, Planet of the Apps, <laughs> which I'm sorry, I know has no nothing to do with the emoji movie on any level. But the idea <laughs> but of it, yeah. it, it no. feels like such a yeah. marketing thing that they, they own the app store and then have a show called Planet of the Apps. There's just something very trite to Not me about that. that. But, but, but like, it was a funny thing. Like, I, I left journalism right before the, the show started, but like, I, I, was, I was talking with friends of mine who were kind of forced to watch these shows. Before it even premiered, I was, I was sighing and rolling my eyes to myself because I knew exactly what sort of show it would be. Um, we've seen a number of, of attempts at creating reality programming around technology, and each instance has failed. There was a show uh, called uh, something like something Silicon Valley on um, Bravo a number of years ago that Randy Zuckerberg produced. It was kind of like a real housewife Silicon Valley, but it was with, with a, you know, um, a tech bros. Oh, no. And, and it, was, it, was, it was really terrible. It was so bad, in fact, that Bravo burned off the last couple of episodes at like one o'clock in the morning um, because <gasps> oh. the ratings were so terrible. They also had a show with Ben Ha from I Can Has Cheeseburger about like his office and, and the timing of that couldn't have been worse because I think right after the show aired, like he laid off half his company, <gasps> but, but also no one watched it. Um, there was a show on ABC Family that I was the only person who watched and I hate watched it at that called um, Startup You uh, featuring a Theranos investor uh, and uh, all around, in my opinion, charlatan Tim Draper um, <laughs> where, 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 where people would 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 pay you know tens of thousands of dollars to attend a startup boot camp sort of thing um, to be in a poor man's Y Combinator. Again, it was a really terrible show. I think I was the only one who watched it, and I watched every week, and it was just abysmal. So there have <laughs> been a number of uh, Jason Calacanis. I know is working on a show with the Weinstein Company, which is kind of you know a, a, his version of of um, uh, Shark Tank, which obviously has been very successful. But anyway, you know, needless to say, there's been this strategy for years of trying to do content around tech and startups it's almost shark tank being the exception failed but mm-hmm. but that, that that that's neither here nor there i mean i think that's proof that the lack of success both critical yeah and, hopefully and they I, I learned their lesson viewers, from what has happened before and uh, the, they, i mean they, they, they have people lesson. from sony and from wgn america working for them now who presumably will not be pursuing this uh let's uh let's talk about silicon valley uh genre of television 
it's hard to not like be thinking about the story of the PlayStation One coming out, where like Sony was like entering a really crowded market, and they went out and they got like the right you know people to come in, and you know really succeeded in knocking Sega off the top of the heap and getting rid of like uh, you know Nintendo to a certain extent and really establishing their own space. But I mean, this is what I I've thought about this story so much today, Christina, and this is what. I, this is why I think I'm having trouble wrapping my head around that, you know, if like Apple Music came out because like iTunes sales are down and they need a product because a subscription service makes a lot of sense. I get that. Like, you know, Spotify is a thing. Like, I I understand that. Like, make that a subscription. What doesn't make sense here is... Like HBO has a brand behind it. Disney has a brand behind it. Showtime has a kind of porny brand behind it. Like, <laughs> well, not in like, Homeland. You, right. Okay. But, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I know like, what you mean. But they have a brand. A, yeah, Twin Peaks. Yeah, they have a brand behind it. There's, there, 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 there's a marquee behind it. Netflix at this point has a brand behind it. Amazon is building that. No, you're dead on. People people hear those names and they think they think content. Whereas if you hear Apple, I don't I know what you hardware think. hardware and like apps planet of the apps no i i don't know how they can swing a direction that gives them any kind of personality like you mentioned homeland right like this is a show that would not run on most cable television networks like it's dealing with very flammable material it puts it out there and it it takes a point of view and it's taking a lot of heat for it Game of Thrones. Look at that. Same like the thing. rape yep. scenes, uh, that is like hugely contentious. And, you know, like I'm not voicing an opinion about that, but I'm saying it's an artistic choice that is taking risks. And that's kind of what you know when you're going in for HBO. With Apple, I I I'm trying to like marry their their ads, which are so multicultural and like so careful to not offend and to include everyone, and wonder how you can bring original content out that's not Planet of the They're apps. so slick, is yeah. the thing. It's so anodyne, I think, is is the word that I'm that's coming to mind. Yeah, and I it, agree with you. I feel like to the point of how much content they might need to justify having a subscription service. I it's really, really difficult for me to imagine them managing to bootstrap enough shows that would right. make me want to add an additional subscription service rather than maybe add show subscriptions or a- add shows under the umbrella of Apple Music and make it a music and video streaming service. Well, and I, and, I, and I, to be clear, I think that's actually their plan, Simone. I yeah. think they're looking at making this an additive thing, not not an additional. Okay. So I think that all the content would be living alongside the Apple Music brand. That could change, but I, I have a feeling that's they what they're really doing. They really wish that they hadn't killed the uh, iTunes brand, huh? Yeah, basically. Because now the they're saddled with this Apple Music brand, and they're like, but right. we want the shows, too. Uh, we want but, the but TV. I the problem, but, but I think you get an interesting problem. And I was kind of talking to some people on this about Twitter, and this was something I was kind of tweeting about. The problem I think you have, in addition to uh, what, what was the adjective you used to describe them? Anodyne. Uh, anodyne, yeah. In addition to the kind of that anodyne kind of brand, which is a very real problem, because how do you create a Game of Thrones on Apple, right? Or how do you create a Homeland? Or how do you create a Walking Dead, for that matter? Like it's it's a difficult it's it's, it's difficult for them to do. I think the broader problem 
is that at this point, a billion-dollar content budget is nothing to sneeze at, and I'm certainly not dismissing that. But I did, I did think it was worth pointing out. The Wall Street Journal points out, too, but I did my own research to kind of see what budgets are. You know, HBO's content budget in 2017 is $2 billion. Netflix's is $6 billion. Netflix has already confirmed that they're going to spend $7 billion in 2018. Um, Amazon, which also includes original movies, as as does Netflix, but Amazon's content budget for all video four and a half billion. Hulu doesn't disclose what they spend on deals; it's significantly less. But they say that their original development slate, which um, they put that in the ballpark of Amazon, um, but but they they do fewer shows. You know, YouTube is spending hundreds of millions of dollars on original content, is what they're saying. So you're looking at all these other more established players who frankly have a better known brand when it comes to content in this modern era who are spending as much, if not more money. And I have to think, you know, if you're a content creator, who are the people who are being courted right now? They're in a very fortunate situation. This won't last forever, but for right now, they're in a very frothy environment where everyone Mm -hmm. is literally beating down, you know, their doors to get stuff. Netflix just signed um, a deal with Shonda Rhimes to move her studio, Shonda Land, away from ABC, God only knows what they spent. I'm sure that it was one of, uh, so, it's so, all somebody of on Twitter. Six billion. <laughs> uh, I mean, so somebody on Twitter was saying they basically just kept writing zeros until she blinked. Right. Um, it, but the, <laughs> I, uh, the, the existing um, shows, you know, Scandal, Grey's Anatomy, um, How to Go Away with Murder, uh, uh, the Grey's spinoffs will will be on ABC. But any of her future shows are going to be Netflix's originals. But you know, to have the sort of money to court someone like Shonda Rhimes. You need to have more than a more than a billion dollar content budget. And beyond that, if I'm Shonda Rhimes, the reason I would be willing to leave broadcast network television would be because Netflix has convinced me that they have a big enough audience that my shows will still be seen. Does because that mean Shonda you- has seen the numbers? I mean, she she'll have to have. They put her they put her in a room with the Netflix execs and no windows and no phones, no internet allowed, and they showed her the Netflix numbers. I, I, I have to assume that, but if you look, you know, Netflix has more than 100 million subscribers, right? They have real figures. HBO has more than has a ridiculous number of subscribers. Apple Music, I think, has 30 million subscribers, which is good. But how many of them are watching video? We don't know because it's primarily an audio service. So if and 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 then when you look at the number of devices right now that Apple Music is on, it's cross-platform on mobile, so it'll run on Android, it'll run on Windows, it'll run on iPhone, it'll run on on Mac, but it doesn't run on anything but Apple TV, right? Whereas HBO, Showtime, um, Hulu, um, Amazon, you know, um, all of those run on multiple services. So my 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 big concern, and 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 I guess the reason I'm I'm a little bit like hesitant, both from a content strategy standpoint, but but even more fundamentally, like. How do you convince at this point the content creators are are king? How do you convince the the you're, they're going to be bidding? Being Apple isn't going to matter here. You know what I mean? Like if they're going to go to a bidding war with a content creator, if they're going to go to 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 you know the, the the showrunners behind Game of Thrones or people behind The Walking Dead or Shonda Rhimes, and they're going to get in a room, being Apple isn't going to carry any sway the same way it would if they were talking about another um, avenue of their business mm-hmm. um, because Netflix and, and and Amazon and some of the others are coming in and they're saying, well, look, we have this huge reach and we are on all these devices and we have this international story. So Apple has to answer to those questions. Now, I think they can, but I don't know how long it takes them to build that up, if that makes any sense. What I'm wondering also is the Wall Street Journal rep- article reported that Apple wants to double, I believe it's double their revenue. And I'm wondering if that is possible just through bringing in presumably more subscribers to Apple Music for watching videos, or if that also includes raising prices on Apple Music, 
Like it could do that. And, and I mean, I think that it's also going after more international markets in a more aggressive way. Apple has been really smart with Apple Music pricing um, in that it's priced differently depending on what market you're in. So mm. it's a lot cheaper in India, for instance, um, and, and, and in parts of Europe. But yeah, I mean, I think that that would be kind of their, their value prop, mm-hmm. right, is that they're competing primarily against Spotify, and Spotify has a lot more paying users. Um, but they're, you know, basically Spotify has is a known entity. It's been around longer, um, arguably, in, in some in some genres has a better catalog. But what Apple is able to kind of say is, okay, instead of spending your ten dollars a month with Spotify, if you spend ten dollars a month with us, you're also going to get content. At that point, though, they're also going to be competing not just with Spotify but with Amazon with and Prime. with their own iTunes rentals. Uh, well, yes. Uh, that said, I think that at this point. It, Apple, I think, is making the same decision that Disney made when when Disney decided to to offer free digital copies when people bought DVDs um, and and, and mm. allowed them to access them on on any platform. Where if you you register a code, Disney Movies Anywhere will work on iTunes and Amazon and Google. Um, and and um, I, I think then that, that and what that is doing is is the age old thing where they're saying we understand that this existing revenue stream in this case rentals is dying. Um, there there was a report that. You know, iTunes used to have more than fifty percent of the rental market. Now they have like thirty-five percent, so it's dwindling all the time. Um, and they're basically saying, "We understand that this is a dying a revenue stream, and it's more important that we get ahead of the next curve, which in this case would be streaming, and mm-hmm. get recurring subscribers than it would be for us to. It's worth giving up whatever we make on on one-off a la carte rentals if we can instead capture people who are willing to spend." Ten dollars a month. Mm-hmm. I I get it. I get it. But I just, you know, I almost can't help but think this is like tied to the failure of like the the um, app store on Apple TV. Where I don't know about you guys, I don't ever buy anything from there if it's not like you know a subscription service. So right, mm-hmm. same. I just I can't imagine this being successful at all. I just, I don't see any, I can see it where it's like some value added thing where like you turn on Apple TV, it's like, you know, like plan of the apps is sure. there. And it's like encouraging you to watch that, but they're not going to sell Apple TVs based on that. Yeah. Like if anything, they need to be going a direction of like working out, you know, like content deals with like CBS, like they're talking about their streaming only service, like work to bring that on Apple TV, work to like acquire HBO. But, you know, like, <clears throat> yeah, no, and well, I, I mean, I, I tend to agree. I mean, look, a lot of people have said for a long time they should buy Netflix. And as I've long argued, um, Netflix is not for sale, um, mm-hmm. fundamentally. Um, but 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 Hulu could be right. Um, Crackle, which was a, a Sony entity, you know, could be there. There are smaller content companies you could buy. You know, HBO is is uh, one of the main reasons that AT and T wants Time Warner because mm-hmm. it is responsible for a tremendous amount of Time Warner's revenue and profits, even more importantly. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, if you want to get into content, I think there are easier ways to do it. I, I would say though, the one reason I'm 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 not completely bearish on this is that we have seen in the past and even the very recent past where one good content deal can get you into the game. Um, I'll, give, I'll give three examples. Um, the first is obviously going to be Netflix. So Netflix made a big bet in 2012 where they said, we need to become HBO faster than HBO becomes us. Um, and they outbid HBO uh, for a show called House of Cards. And they did a yep. joint venture with Lionsgate um, and, and some other studios um, and, and, and uh, Kevin Spacey um, and, and uh, Dana, I can't think of his last name's production company to get House of Cards. They outbid HBO by a significant amount. And HBO said, we know this is a hit, but we don't have the budget 
and we don't have the ability to, mm. to, to pay more than this. But so Netflix got it, and it was a huge critical and commercial success. Netflix doesn't re- reveal their viewer numbers, but by all accounts, it's been very successful for them. It's won them Emmys, and it got them into the prestige um, uh, game. Before that, all of their original series they'd acquired were not that great. So from there, you have this breakout hit, one of the best fall, you know, one of the best dramas on TV that year. That opens the door for Orange is the New Black, which opens the door for the Marvel stuff, which opens the door for a million other things for Glow and, and a lot of other series. Um, Amazon was fairly slow to original programming. And again, um, it took a prestige thing with Transparent, um, which was an acquisition they made where um, it's a show that, that you know, was nominated for and won Emmys. And, and Mozart in the Jungle, which won Golden Globes and was also nominated for Emmys. So, you know, Amazon Studios goes from a couple of years of being kind of an also-ran of no one paying attention to them to very quickly becoming a player. And then most recently, I would say Hulu, who is historically because of the ownership st- um, uh, structure, which includes most of the major um, broadcast networks, um, as well as a significant stake from um, from Comcast slash NBC Universal, um, has uh you know mo- they've had good original content you know like they 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 bought the 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 um uh, um the Mindy show the Mindy project uh they got you know the final season um or not the final season that was Yahoo who got community but but they got you know the Mindy project they got some other things to kind of bring over but it wasn't until this year with um um the handmaid's tale which was a big success for them both critically and um you know from what they've said uh, from a viewer number where finally people are starting to kind of consider them and I was at Hulu's upfronts this year and I've been at their upfronts every year since they've started doing them and it was the best slate and most professional slate yet you know JJ Abrams Stephen King there were a lot of really big names um that Hulu was working with so mm-hmm. the one thing I will say is I agree with everything you're saying Bree and that I don't know what kind of story they can tell or how this will push hardware items but if you can if you can make one key content deal and make a must watch show a press but it needs to be prestige it needs to be one people like but it really needs to be you know emmy bait right if you can get one of those deals you can at least make the argument when you're going back to the table to get the Shonda Rhimes of the world to say we are we are where you want to be that being said i do think it's important to remember that Apple is a very different company than these others who are in this market in that they have a hardware base and they have a software base and they have an existing business, which is primarily selling smartphones, right? Whereas Netflix is a pure content play. HBO is a media company. Amazon is a lot of different things. YouTube is a, you know, kind of a, 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 a content stream on top of an ad service. Um, and so that's a good thing for Apple because it means that conceivably they could spend way more and get no return on investment and and still make it worth their while. But it's a yeah. bad thing because it means that they don't necessarily have to be as focused on the content story. Um, to, to They don't have the same drive, I don't necessarily know, from a financial standpoint to say we have to acquire the best stuff and we have to make really good programmatic decisions because even if Apple Music doubles in revenue, doubles in size – it's still going to be a drop in the bucket in compared to, you know, many other revenue streams that the company brings in, as opposed to, you know, Netflix spends seven billion is going to spend seven billion dollars in content in twenty eighteen because that's how it eats the world. That's how it continues to be the, yeah. the juggernaut. Is it lives and dies based on its content. Whereas yeah. Apple Music is not going to live or die based on what video content they have. Apple because of Apple's odd not odd but middle of the road reputation when it comes to content their their personality the company personality basically 
I, I feel like they're not going to have the leeway of, say, a Netflix or a Hulu or sorry. Yeah, a Hulu and in, in putting out mediocre stuff because people are going to make fun of it if they put out something silly like Planet of the Apps again. Like there's not a lot of interest, I think, on the ground for something like this. But I, I definitely do see your point that it could, if they do get a hit and they could potentially, depending on, I mean, the people that are working for them and how much money they put into it. Yeah, and I think you're you're right that that's kind of, that's what it takes. Yeah, if I, and I know we've got to move on, but if I were in charge of this project at Apple, I almost think like uh, maybe we're looking at this from the wrong end and assuming it's going to be, you know, fiction-based, you know, entertainment Mm -hmm. content. The big problem when you buy an Apple TV is, and you cut the cord, is you don't have the access to anything live. And, right. you know, I think about like Cheddar, which is like this, uh, you yeah, know, totally it's, online it's, news network for millennials. Yeah, like CNBC it's, for millennials. Yeah, I yeah, like it. It's really, really <laughs> well done. Uh, yeah. John Steinberg's uh, a genius. Just really amazing. Like, like something like that. Or look at all the good, you know, video content Mashable is doing or, you know, Vox mm-hmm. Media. I mean, if, if they were getting content deals with people like Vox and I know I could go sit down at my TV and get like, all this stuff put together in like a vice-like show like HBO has, like that would bring me to the table, daily content like that and working out those kind of deals. I just don't think, I mean, I'd love to be wrong, but I just don't see how Apple like outcreates the most creative people in the business. Do you know what I mean? No, I get what you're saying. What about this? I mean, we haven't even talked about this at all and I don't even know if Apple has thought about this, but I mean, obviously – Podcasts. We're doing one right now. Podcasts yeah. are are the future. I mean, you know, Bill Simmons is in the ringer. You know, they're building um, a business basically on the back of their Game of Thrones podcast. Um, mm. it, it, you know, for better or worse, and 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 a lot of other people are too. A, a friend of mine who, who's a um, w- uh, does stuff with Slash Film. They do a, a Game of Thrones podcast that got something like three hundred thousand downloads on Sunday night. You know, there there's serious content around that. Um, I, Apple is is the is the epicenter for podcasts. I I wonder, you know, they have the connections, and to a certain degree, our, our friends at Relay and others might might scoff at this. But you know, I wonder if that would be an opportunity when you talk about creating daily content, um, doing video with podcasts, the, the, doing video podcasts, working with people who are, who are high production value stuff, people who are already doing stuff. Um, I mean, I would say I, I don't know about Vox, but I know Mashable, and I assume Vox is part of this too. Often has deals with companies like Amazon and with Verizon and with um, other, you know, like distribution places. So actually you can get apps for your Apple TV right now where you can watch that content. The problem is, is you can't, there's no discoverability um, and, and it's impossible to kind of find. But if, if Apple could find the content, whether they acquire it or license it and make it deliverable, I think that's interesting. I also think live is an interesting concept, Brie. You know, one of the things that Netflix does with with Chelsea Handler's show is mm-hmm. they upload it every night at a certain time. Yeah. And it's not yeah. live per se, but it's close enough. But I think if you took that model and said, every day we're going to have a daily show at this time available for people to watch, the same way they do with um, with Zane Lowe's show and the other Apple Music, Apple the Beats One mm-hmm. programming. Have they if released you that approach, numbers on Zane Lowe's show? No. Mm. No. And 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 they probably never will. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, he's still he's still working there. Um, uh, you know, he he left a very cushy gig to work there, and and um, you know, presumably because Beats One is is free, you know, it has a lot of listeners. But you could almost you could almost see if they took that kind of approach, 
to live content, that could at least be a differentiator from what you have mm-hmm. with the other services, which for better or worse, sell on the strength of, of on-demand. That's a, that's a really good analogy, Christina, because the way Beats 1 works is like if I listen to Anna Leno's show, then every one of the songs she plays is available to listen to through Apple Music if yeah. I subscribe to it. So it's like basically a two-hour commercial every week for like new dance music. So I think that's like a really interesting I, – I can see that model working, you know? Speaking of models that may or may not work, <laughs> how about MoviePass dropping their subscriptions <laughs> oh. to 10 bucks a month? AMC says that's unstable because it probably is. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, so have you guys ever used, I was going to say, so MoviePass has been around for about six years. I remember their first CEO, I think they're now on their third, um, a guy named Stacy, a smart guy who kind of came up with this idea of you pay X dollars a month. And you can go see any movie you want, um, you know, unlimited movies, one movie a day, which on paper anyway sounds great, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I but, do. but 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 uh, but I, I've I've tried it before. I mean, uh, before they done did this recent price thing, Bree, you've used the service before, right? A lot. It's terrible because, yeah. like, if I want to, like, Frank and I wanted to go see Annabelle this weekend because we're dumb, we're dumb <laughs> like that. But so if I were still doing movie pass, here's the way it would work going to see a movie on opening night. You would be time traveled back to 1990, back when you wanted to see a movie on opening day, you would have to drive to the movie theater and buy the tickets and then come back because that's the way movie pass worked cuz you could not do it through the app. You would have to actually physically go to the location and use this little credit card that they gave you there. And it sucked. It was utterly terrible. Yeah, and and the problem is is that it's it's fine if you're in certain cities and you know, it's not a not not a not a release day movie because you're probably going to be able to get a ticket in, in in the the time you want. But like you said, if it's an opening night thing, even though you technically can buy it, you know, people have to buy those tickets in advance. And in the old days, even like 15 years ago, you could go to the theater and buy them in advance. And I guess maybe you still can, but at this point, everybody just goes online with their phone yeah. and reserves mm-hmm. them that way. The bigger problem too is is um I don't know I noticed this happening more and more in New York, but it's all over the place in Seattle, ironically. Reserve seating is yep. now a thing, so a lot it. of the theaters. I, I love it too, but that makes it a, that makes it more problematic if you want to actually buy a ticket like day of show, yeah. mm-hmm. because I can't be guaranteed that I'm going to be able to get a seat next to my spouse or my friend. Right, um, and and so so what that does is is I think for the reason a lot of people would want to use this service in addition to the price point would be oh well I would like to see Wonder Woman or I would like to see Annabelle or I would like to see you know um, you know insert movie here. Uh, Atomic Blonde, um, you know, oh, on so opening good. night. I really so want right? to see Atomic Blonde. Oh, it's really good. It's really, <laughs> it's good. really good. But I would yeah. like to see Atomic Blonde. I would like to see Dunkirk. I'd like to see whatever, but I want to see it opening night. And unless you get very lucky and kind of go in advance, that's not going to happen. Um, and so instead, what it ends up being kind of used for is, you know, going to see kind of off-peak movies, which is okay, right? But it doesn't make it as convenient, um, I don't know that that would be as much of a problem for me because even when I've gone to see uh, movies like Dunkirk and Wonder Woman, both of which I somehow managed to see while they were in theaters, I I didn't see them that long after they came out, but I did go see them while they were in theaters and there was practically no one there. 
And yeah, I did buy those tickets both times in advance online, but I definitely wouldn't have had trouble buying them in theaters. It's definitely a gamble, I suppose, for more popular movies. But the fact that I was able to see both of those without any problem at all, I, I did see it Dunkirk in Portland, not New York, but and. I don't know. I'm the sort of person who is very untimely with films, as you know. So I never see them on, even as much as I love movies, I never see opening day movies. That's just not something that I. Okay. And then that. And and that's fair. I, I I do wonder though what the overlap is between someone like you who's more of a casual you know viewer versus someone like me who when I go heavily to the movies I do like to go opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the broader question that AMC brings up. So in two thousand fourteen or fifteen maybe it was AMC actually signed a deal with MoviePass because when MoviePass first started, it was really really like. Like they were basically operating outside of the boundaries of, of the movie theater chains. In fact, Sketchy the movie theater chains were actively blocking them. The act, I mean, in fact, actively, I remember both both Regal and AMC were like actively, like as soon as it launched, they were like, we will not support this and this is not work and we do not, like they were very against it, right? Like they yeah. hated the service. And then AMC signed a deal with them and basically said, okay, well, yeah, we, because it would start at like $30 a month and I think it was $50 a month in New York and yeah, it'll work at our theaters and we, you know, conceivably could have even built in, you know, online ordering stuff if you'd wanted to like there was there was room in the in in the in the works for partnership but they just got a new ceo they sold a significant stake of the company to outside investors and now they're doing this ten dollar a month plan which sounds great but amc is like well this is violating our contract we might sue you and we don't think it's sustainable i'd love to hear you guys' thoughts because i actually as much as i love the idea of ten dollars a month for unlimited movies i actually 100 percent agree that there's no way this business is ever sustainable ever I'm confused about how it's sustainable even at $35 a month. Like, I, I want this. I want this so much. The idea of it is fantastic to me. But I feel like there must be a reason that freaking movie tickets cost $15 now. <laughs> it's not so that I can pay $10 a month to go see every single movie as much as I want. The thing is, like, when we had it, we ended up not using it. And then, like, you're really bitter because you're like, well, I spent $15 times two people all month and we didn't get a chance to go see a movie this week. And then, like, Simone, you're talking about the edge cases earlier. Like, well, when that movie does come out opening weekend and you do want to go see it. Like, you're going to be really bitter then when you're paying, like, you know, 20 <laughs> bucks for a movie ticket on top of, like, that subscription service. And another yeah. thing we haven't even talked about here is movie theaters are a lot smaller than they used to be. That's AMC true. AMC has gone through a really big renovation of most of their theaters. Now when you go to one of their theaters, like, you get this giant seat and it reclines back. And, um, like, it's, like, it's half great. the seating capacity. It's great. It's much more comfortable. I enjoy it a lot more. But, you know, like, it, it really matters where you get to sit. And that problem of, like, assigned seating is going to be that mm-hmm. much worse, like, day of. So I completely agree. I think it's, like um, – you know, it's it's diminishing the value of going to a movie, and it's not a sustainable model. Uh, you know, Christine, you and I met on App.net. Dalton, mm-hmm. the guy that made this, uh, very famously worked for Spotify before he yeah. founded that company. And he 
blasted that, you know, that revenue model a million times on there, <laughs> talking about just how it was not a sustainable way to make music. And that's absolutely come to fruition. So I think right. it, it makes a lot of sense for, you know, them to, uh, you know, hold their ground there and say, you know what, uh, this is going to be bad for the movie industry overall. No, I would agree. And, and I mean, and it's difficult. Like like uh, AMC is, is owned by Wanda, which is a Chinese company, and, and their stock has just dropped uh, precipitously because summer blockbusters, with the exception of Wonder Woman, um, you know, the, the the box office, especially, you know, kind of globally hasn't kind of performed the way people were, were expecting it to. Um, but yeah, you know, it, as you said, they've, the theaters chains are spending all this money retrofitting theaters to put in um, these reclining seats, which lowers capacity um, and, and, you know, forces them to do ticket prices because so many people are waiting. They'll just say, I'll watch it on Netflix. I'll just watch it at home. You know, the experience of watching it at home has become close enough for a lot of people. And, and, and for a long time, the movie going experience, like now I really enjoy going to the movies, but there for, there for a time and and I'm film girl, you know, I Mm -hmm. didn't go to the movies that much because the experience wasn't always fantastic. And I was like, if I'm going to spend all this money doing this, you know, it, it better be worth my while. Um, but yeah, I do kind of wonder, I mean, where these lawsuits will go. Because to a certain degree, AMC can say, well, you can't use, you know, MoviePass here. But it's really just a, v- a prepaid Visa card. Yeah. So I don't know how, you know, so, so at a certain point, like if they want to fight back, it's like, how are you going to stop me from buying my ticket at my kiosk, at the, at the kiosk and using this credit card? Like, how are you going to stop me from doing that? But I do think the broader point of, I mean, I, I think what they bet on, Brie, is what you were saying is that you won't use it enough to pay for it. Like, you would need to go twice a month for, for it to be worth your while. And I understand that. But I think that in the markets where they will sell the majority of these passes, the average movie price is more than $10 a month. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and that, that, that's the part of the business model that, that I don't think works. That's why when they were doing, the first AMC thing in New, in New York City, it was $50 a month. Or, you know, it started at 35 in certain places. It was $50, I think, if you wanted to do IMAX and 3D. It might have been 35 if you just wanted 2D stuff. And and you could do the math on there, and you're like, okay, if I go to the movies, you know, three times, mm-hmm. it'll pay off. Or four times, it'll pay off. But if I go under that, it won't. And that was ultimately why I decided not to do it, because I was like, okay, well, it's not just me, but I... There's too I, much I, of a risk. Like, yeah. four, right. four nights, yeah. it doesn't sound like a lot, but it is... Yeah, going to the movies four times in a month, like that's every was, weekend. It, yeah, when basically. I was in high school and college, I did that. But now, like, no, Ugh. again, because Gross. we're, we're, we're also, adults. Well, not even that. We're living in the golden age of television, right? Oh, that's okay. true. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like, there's no shortage of content, as so. we know, because 500 freaking shows are on TV right now. God, shall we wrap it up and talk about? Taylor Let's Swift. This is a great. Yeah, we'll I actually super didn't quickly. Yeah. hear about this until you dropped the the link in uh, Facebook Messenger today, and it's not a tech topic, but Taylor Swift in her uh, symbolic uh, counter suing against the guy who groped her won her one dollar, which is really awesome. Yeah, congrats, T um, Swift. Yeah, no, her. Um, anybody who wants to look through and, and get um like the kind of the highlights of the things that she said when she was being cross-examined. <laughs> she was on fire. I was so proud of her. And oh. But I think, you know, this is a case that's been going on for four years. That It happened four years ago, and then he sued, I think, two years ago. And it's, um, you know, it a, a DJ who, who uh, Swift says, now a jury found, um, groped her during a meet and greet. And um, she brought it to the attention of his, of his employer. He was fired. And then he sued her two years later for getting him fired. 
Um, and um, and she countersued for a dollar, and she won. And I I just I don't know. I think I think that um, they made it very clear during the testimony and whatnot that this was something that she never wanted to be public. It wasn't something that they'd wanted to to that's why she didn't bring criminal charges to begin with like that was this was something they'd wanted to keep under wraps and that it be, by being public you know which had to be a difficult thing to go through and and um but by by fighting the good fight i mean kind of i think this is this is great this this yeah um, by saying she was able to because of my status i'm not doing this for the money i'm doing it so that to, to make a stand and say this is wrong get out <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's really great I, um, the the zingers in court, like she could have had like Aaron Sorkin writing. Yeah. Them, yeah. I'm putting, I'm putting links into it the was, show notes right oh, now so that great. Uh, people great. can enjoy this victory. And Christina, what are you up to this week? So um, I'm just, you know, continuing to do stuff at work. One of my new projects that I'm doing at work, I'm now officially every week is uh, I do this week in Channel 9, which um, uh, airs on uh, Fridays on Channel 9. So channel9.msdn.com um, or um, if, if you Google Channel 9, um, you'll find it. But um, it's really fun. It's kind of like a weekly show where we kind of go over the latest things happening in, in kind of the tech and developer world. And um, uh, what's really fun about it is we, we tested it last week and it's going to become like an ongoing thing. We're shooting this at local breweries. I was just going to say, I'm looking at a thumbnail of you with a beer right now. Ah. Yep. <laughs> On episode, uh, what is this, six? Yeah, it was last Nine. week's episode. Yes, it, they do it every week, so it's been going on for a long time. But but, but Brian and I are are, are kind of the new um, a regular hosts of the show, and we're going to be doing it at at breweries. Um, in the area, um, which is great. So we can like see us, you know, have a drink while we talk about, you know, developer nerdy topics. It's really fun. Exciting. That's awesome. You should do one at the Space Needle. Like that would be great. Oh, that's actually Drinking a really, good really idea. expensive beers at the Space Needle. Yeah. I see that <laughs> totally. this is in fact episode 416. And what I did was I saw channel nine and then I flipped the nine upside down <laughs> and thought it's episode six. Yeah, fool. So if you go to the Science Fiction Hall of Museum that is near the Space Needle, I'm pretty <gasps> sure some of my husband's work is still there. So. Ooh, I okay, museum. I will bring that up with them. I will bring that up with them. Yeah, we, we've been trying to go close to campus, but I would very much be up for being on the on the west side um, when we do this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah I'll bring trip. that up because that sounds yep. like a great idea. Yep. Brianna, what are you doing this week? Simone, what I am doing this week is I've had pneumonia for a week and I'm so far behind on everything. The tomorrow, how many babies I'm are gonna, lined up waiting to be kissed? I know. I just could be yeah, kissing Yeah, I mean, how, how many babies, babies are you going to kiss? Are, 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 like, don't give them pneumonia, though, because that yeah, would be terrible, be, terrible optics. Be, that could hurt. Uh, yeah, that could hurt. No, seriously, I'm going to our campaign office tomorrow. I'm going to shoot coffee in the morning through yeah. an IV, and I'm going to pull in some 20-hour days. So oh. it's time to get to work. Time to get to work. Uh, what am I up to this week? Uh, getting back to work after our trip to Portland last week, which was really great. It's actually probably the best time I've ever had in Portland. I met a lot of really cool people. We had like a polygon happy hour and we met a bunch of really cool people at a, a local bar and it was nice. The That's only problem awesome. was that it was so freaking hot there. And I was like, I left yeah. New York to get away I'm from sorry. this. I think I talked about this before I left. I, I complained about it. I did actually manage to somehow forget because it, it was super, super hot when it was super, super hot. And then when it was cold, it was typical Pacific Northwest. And despite having lived there for 20 six odd years of my life I forgot that it does that and I did not pack any warm clothes because oh, no. I am a fool I, I just I, I internalized this hundred degree message and I was like I'm just gonna go die there I guess 
And then I did oh. die. I froze to death. Um, <laughs> but I had a really good time. And I'm so, so happy to be back uh, in New York. Just resting in my own home in my own bed. How quickly you become a New Yorkie. Just how yeah. quickly that it's happened to you. It was only Stockholm a year, Simone. Syndrome it was effect. only a year, yeah. Simone. I sleep in this bed every day. I'm quite attached to it. <laughs> I think you're just like, oh, I'm back in New York. With only, yeah, yeah, back in yeah. my land where I can I, do laundry. I, I, I still miss New York like every day. Like, I, I really like Seattle, but it's not the same. Uh, <laughs> well, where can we find you online, Christina, since you're still there, even though you're not in New York? I'm not in New York, but I am still on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, et cetera, at film underscore girl. And Brianna? Yeah, there's a there's an onion article on Boston where it's like adults in like Boston love pretending they live in a big town. It's got like, <laughs> it's got us like walking downtown and like look I at I literally Joe. He's googled going onion article Boston bank. and this this came up yep, and yep, I'm putting yep. it in the show notes. Yeah, oh, that's so uh, good. I'm just gonna I mean, I'm not endorsing that article. I'm just saying it exists. Um there's a, I, uh yeah, go There's ahead. an Onion article about New Yorkers fleeing the city to live in a better place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, There's probably um, one about Seattleites like being impressed with themselves, even though like it's actually very small. So I don't honestly, know. you can see me on the Twitter machine, but this week's news is so terrible. Like, don't go on there. Don't, don't, don't go, go on, on Twitter. Twitter. Just I don't stay blame off you. Twitter. You're you. You'll be ha- save yourself. It's too late for me. Save yourself. I want you to be okay. I deleted it off my phone and I'm feeling great. (laughs) Uh, But you can still find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar (laughs) and of course at YouTube.com slash Polygon. Uh, And those are the places where I live. You could also live in Apple Podcast Reviews where you review our podcast. And even if you say you've already reviewed our podcast, say you feel you've done enough. You haven't. Tell your friends about our podcast. Tell your uh, air your dirty secrets and be like, "Hey, friendo, have you heard this hot old show rocket that's been around for 135 six six episodes? You should listen to it, friendo." And that's they'll they'll thank you for that for saying for calling them friendo because that's something they probably have never heard before, and they'll they'll think it's super great. Uh, but tell them about the show. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Rocket. It is now terminated. 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 <laughs>